Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious with Dylan Price. Welcome to the show. Today's episode is all football. It is unraveling the craziness of the last 72 hours in the NFL. Or maybe even more than that because I break down the Antonio Brown move. I break down the Odell move. I break down the crazy moves that have just happened in the NFL. The biggest winners, the biggest losers... A passionate plea to the New York Giants to get rid of one specific person, and it's not on the field. And I tear into the Baltimore Ravens, and I give respect to the Steelers and the Raiders in my final thought segment where it's deserved. All of this and ambitious today. Let's start the show. So diving right into the free agency chaos, winners and losers in the NFL. There's a lot to unravel. I have a kind of shocking winner, I guess, to go through. And I have about 5, 10 people, players listed here that I want to get into. So without further ado, I'm just going to go right into it. My first winner, this is in no particular order, no particular order for the losers as well. Well, kind of. Um... I'll say my biggest loser and my biggest winner. But other than that, there's no order. Uh, Going right off from the start, my first winner was the Detroit Lions. Um, I kind of like the moves they made. And this is a little opposing to the mainstream media's point of view on it. But I liked the signing of Justin Coleman. It was a really smart move to me. I think he is a good corner. And, you know, it was a kind of expensive deal, but it was still a smart move. I like the addition of Danny Amendola, veteran receiver, can be a uh, kind of slot guy that Matt Stafford likes to use and pair well with Kenny Galladay and, um, you know, be a good receiving core for Detroit. And I, the big move for them was Trey Flowers. And opposed to the mainstream media, I like this move. Although he was a system kind of rusher, he was still a... He's still a talented rusher. He's still going to be able to translate that to another team. And he's not going from Bill Belichick to a completely different coach where the system's entirely different. He's going to Matt Patricia, a Bill Belichick disciple who runs the same system Bill Belichick used. It's a very good fit for Flowers. He got a good deal. And I think the moves the Lions have made, maybe not crazy flashy, have been smart moves so far that add a lot of value to the team and really help maybe Matthew Stafford have a much better year. So my first loser is the Redskins, and I'm not going to bash them. The one big move, obviously, was the six years, $84 million for Landon Collins from the New York Giants. And I don't hate getting Landon Collins. I'm not going to say that. Landon Collins is a phenomenal player. So adding them... Adding a player of his caliber is very good. Paying him $84 million with a $45 million guaranteed over six years is a lot of money. A lot of money. And for an inside-the-box safety who can't cover very well, that's a lot of money. And with a team with holes all over the place, that's really not the kind of money you should be shelling out like that. And I'm really really against the Redskins doing this. And it's not to take a shot at the Redskins. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think Landon Collins' market 
um, would have better fit him with a team where maybe he would have got less money, but he would have been able to play with for a winner. And But, you know, his idol was Sean Taylor, and I do think, personally, that played a part in it. So I don't hate the signing. I don't hate it because they got Landon Collins. But for an inside-the-box safety, six years, $84 million with a whole lot of money guaranteed, I just chalk that up as a loss in my book. The next winner to me is the Green Bay Packers. They've made under-the-radar moves that deserve mainstream attention. This is a team that needs playmakers on defense. They need playmakers to surround Rodgers with on both sides of the balls and make this a more well-rounded team and have Matt LaFleur, a smart young head coach who is now tasked with leading Rodgers, kind of give him pieces to play with and his defensive coordinator. They get Zedarius Smith, edge rusher from the Baltimore Ravens. Very, very productive year for him with Baltimore. You get Preston Brown, a really good linebacker. And you get Adrian Amos, a young safety from the Bears. Those were three really smart moves to me. Not a crap ton of money, but really smart, productive moves to better build a team that, with Jair Alexander and I think Josh Jackson and a returning Clay Matthews, Muhammad Wilkerson, you know, some really good defensive players. Obviously, I'm missing players. I think Mike Daniels as well. They have talented defensive players, and it's kind of building a well-rounded defense that I have a lot of respect for, and I really like the moves. In my eyes, honestly, they were some pretty smart, under-the-radar moves for a franchise that needed to do something to put playmakers on both sides of the ball. My next loser is a big one. The Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, um, they lost a lot of players that are very valuable. They let Michael Crabtree and John Brown walk. So I'll go straight from offense on that side of the ball first. John Brown, talented, dynamic wide receiver. Really, really good player in my eyes. And a guy I think is highly underrated in the league as a wide receiver. Buffalo signs him. Michael Crabtree, you let him walk. He was a very good playmaker as well. You let C.J. Mosley walk on the defensive side of the ball. That's the big one. That's the captain of your number one ranked defense. And he asked, he was asking $15 million from the Ravens. Because let's be real here. Obviously, he got a bump to go to the Jets. I'm a Jets fan, and I'm saying that. He got $17 million to go to the Jets with a whole lot of money guaranteed. So he obviously got overpaid to go to the Jets. But to get that kind of talented player, the Jets knew they had to steal him from the Ravens' eyes. And the Ravens weren't willing to pay that much to the captain of your defense, no matter what position he plays. When Jamal Adams goes up in, I think it's two years, for his contract, when his rookie deal's over and he needs an extension, the Jets damn well better write a blank check because he's the captain of the defense, no matter what C.J. Mosley brings to the table. Two years out, I can say that. And I'm getting aggressive because Eric DaCosta made a huge missed call. You write Mosley a blank check because for her, for your team, for the city of Baltimore, he is the captain of the Ravens' defense. And you let him go? It's a bonehead move for a franchise that I think is just not seeing the writing on the walls. You let Eric Weddle go, which I can't fully bash that. 
because he's a veteran safety, and you can't... I can't fully bash a guy letting a guy go to pursue better opportunities. But you let C.J. Mosley walk. And to make it a deeper thing, I spoke very highly of Lamar Jackson last year, my former writing job. I liked him as a running quarterback. But he was still number five, number six in my QB rankings. Because I wasn't high on him as a passer at all. And it's not a knack on his talent. Running quarterbacks aren't that successful. And I'm not, like, we can go for real here. Cam Newton is strong, big built. I can also throw the ball. Maybe inconsistent, but can throw the ball. Dak Prescott can throw the ball. Baker Mayfield can throw the ball. Sam Darnold, you can consider him a mobile quarterback, can throw the ball. Josh Allen can throw the ball. Russell Wilson can throw the ball. There's more names I can go down here with. Mobile quarterbacks that can run the ball. Aaron Rodgers. They have success. Mobile quarterbacks who can't really spin the ball well, like Lamar Jackson, like RG3, don't have success. And for five minutes of his playoff game, he played well. The rest of those minutes, he played Really not good football. You put Joe Flacco in at one point. DaCosta is making bonehead decisions. I may be the only person opposed to it. (coughs) You don't give the keys to your franchise to a running quarterback who is going to get injured. He's not big built like Cam. Maybe Cam runs a lot, but he's big built. And all the other mobile quarterbacks I listed off before can spin the damn ball. Lamar can't do it as good as any of them. He's not big built. The only difference between him and Kyler Murray coming out this year, Kyler can spin the ball. Lamar is not a proven passer. And you traded away a proven passer in Joe Flacco. And I get it. You want to hitch the wagon and you can get a proven passer someone else. But the free agent quarterbacks are flying off the board and you're not getting one. You're not, you're not even making an effort to get one. And who's your backup? Going to be RG3, the guy who couldn't make it in the league as a starter because he did the exact same thing? It's irritating. Eric DaCosta is not seeing the writing on the wall, and the media is praising it because he's the new flashy toy. It's going to get old quick. Defenses are going to figure him out like the Chargers did. He's going to fall off, and in a couple years... And honestly, I have support for what the... um, What the... Broncos did. You bring in a veteran quarterback with winning experience in Joe Flacco to pair with a veteran coach and a team that isn't that far off from winning the Super Bowl a couple years ago with good pieces. They need maybe a wide receiver. Maybe they got, maybe they have a needed offensive lineman. They don't have a ton of holes. So bringing in a veteran like Joe Flacco made sense to me. But not keeping Joe Flacco for the Ravens not keeping C.J. Mosley at the most part, are bonehead decisions, and they get a big, fat damn L. Not the biggest L. Not the biggest L. But a big L in my eyes. And unless they can shape up right now, they also lost key players like Darius Smith. They're losing key players. They need to make some moves, or this team's going to take a huge step back and likely not even be a top-10 AFC team next year. My next big winner, though, on a more positive note, is my New York Jets. I need to talk about them. Honestly, I'm pretty happy 
I am not fully happy, though. There's holes on this team. Anthony Barr not signing with the Jets and reverting on his decision. Matt Paradis signing with the Panthers. Those are two guys who could have shored up huge holes for this team that are now going elsewhere. But getting a dynamic playmaker on offense takes a lot of the heat off your quarterback. Getting Le'Veon Bell does that on a pretty affordable deal, honestly, $13 million a year and up to $61 or $61 million max value. I found it as a pretty smart decision for the Jets. If this works out, Mike McHaganin just saved his butt for the next 10 years. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but he saved his job. Because Le'Veon's talented, and if he can come back and be a shade of his former self, he's going to do well with the Jets. And I believe that. I also think that the getting Calicio Semele and getting Jamison Crowder were two more under-the-radar moves that made a lot of sense and filled pretty big holes. Um, I think getting CJ Mosley wasn't necessarily a big hole, now you can ship off Darren Lee and pair C.J. Mosley with Avery Williamson and have a pretty good tandem. But Darren Lee is going to need to get traded or maybe ended up cut, which is unfortunate because I think he's a very, very good coverage linebacker. Maybe could, if he drops some weight, maybe move to inside the box safety. He's not a full-blown linebacker though and he even used PEDs this year so obviously you could argue there's performance enhancement and he was suspended he's just a headache and he was a miss and underwhelming for Mike McCaganin and he makes up for that by overpaying a guy who I just ranted about for five minutes is the captain of a Baltimore Ravens team it was a smart move in my eyes and honestly a move I can get behind And although he overpaid, he gets a really good leader that the Ravens weren't willing to keep. I liked a lot of the moves the Jets are making, and they still have a lot of holes they need to fill, but this is taking a step in the right direction, so that's something I can be satisfied about. Not my biggest loser, but a winner. Or, but a strong loser. There's a bigger loser in all of this, still from the Giants organization. But this is the second biggest loser and the biggest team loser the New York Giants you lose out on Landon Collins inside the box safety who is arguably your best defensive player on that team you trade Olivier Vernon who brought you some kind of pass rush you have headaches on the team you decide to trade one of them and I'm going to go off on the man who did it and maybe at the end of the show I'll go off on him. But the team, letting Odell walk and letting trading him to the Browns. They didn't let him walk. And the Browns, I'll get into in a second. Letting him go and letting him go to the Browns and not getting crazy compensation. You got the 17th pick in the draft. Congratulations. That's basically a mid-first rounder. And with the drafting history, aside from Odell and Saquon Barkley has not been utterly spectacular. I feel strongly saying Dave Gettleman is going to miss with this pick unless he pairs the 17th with the 6th and trades up with a team to ensure he gets Dwayne Haskins and makes his fans a little happier. But letting Odell walk, you get Drill Peppers, who is a guy who maybe really couldn't put it all together with the Browns. 
That's the safe way to say it. Couldn't put it all together. But getting a guy like uh, Jabril brings a little bit of a spark, but does not bring anywhere close to what you had in Odell. What you had in Odell might not be able to be replaced. And for Dave Gettleman to swallow that pill is hard for Giants fans. It's hard for the team. But I am safely saying, I think I feel for my Giants fans, and I'm going to go off on Dave Gettleman a little bit. They're going to write the ship. It's the Giants. They make smart decisions, maybe over time. And hopefully that smart decision is getting Dave Gettleman fired. But stay strong, Giants fans. Odell's gone. Landon's gone. But once Dave Gettleman's gone, hopefully the future looks brighter. So transitioning back to my winners, I recorded this and somehow forgot to mention the Ravens got Earl Thomas. That doesn't make him... That actually puts the Redskins maybe above him. Earl Thomas is a very good player. They did overpay slightly, but they get a guy who can maybe be a piece of the leader C.J. Mosley was for that defense. And Eric DaCosta kind of made up in my eyes for letting Weddle walk and letting Mosley walk just a little bit. Not a lot. I still think this team's going to go up in flames. But getting Earl Thomas doesn't make my rant as bad as it was and I slightly apologize to DaCosta and Ravens fans for a little bit. But I still think Lamar is going to go up in flames. But my biggest winner was the Cleveland Browns. And everyone knows about it. I'm not going to dive too far into it. They got Odell Beckham. They got Olivier Vernon. They established a pass rush more of the, on the team. They got Sheldon Richardson. And they've got more people on the way. Likely going to try to sign maybe Eric Berry or a safety option out there in a loaded safety class. They're making smart decisions. I have a lot of respect for John Dorsey. I think he's probably the second best general manager in football behind Chris Ballard of the Colts. This move by him, I think Odell, deep down, is a good guy. I think he may be cancer in the locker room, but Odell has a heart. Odell is... A talented player. He gets to play with his best friend in Jarvis Landry. He gets to play in a quarterback who he's very fond of in Baker Mayfield. I think it was a really smart move by John Dorsey to get this done. And I think this is going to pay off big time for the Browns. And I think they are on their way to being one of the premier teams in the AFC. So, congrats, Browns fans. You're out of that dark hole. You can see the light again. And things are strongly looking up. I do have another winner that I'm going to save that for the last part of the show, my final thoughts, but my biggest loser, I'm going to go off, Dave frickin' Gettleman. You don't pay Josh Norman, who at the time, you can say what you want, he's still been a pretty good corner for the Redskins, but you don't pay him then when he was having a phenomenal season, and maybe you can argue that he wasn't as productive since then. But he still deserved the damn money. He's still been productive with the Redskins. So choosing not to pay him was your first mistake. Then the Panthers fire you. Whatever health problems you have, I'm leaving out of the picture. But then you let Landon Collins walk. Then you let a firestorm start 
in that front office and some craziness going on on the field with some of the players between the McAdoo-Shermer transition you had to inherit. So I completely give you credit for trying to write that ship. <coughs> Odell's a star. Landon Collins is a star. Swallow the checks, Gettleman. Swallow the money. Landon is a star player on your defense. He was the captain in my eyes and a lot of Giants fans' eyes of that damn defense. He's an all-pro safety. You let him walk. Odell Beckham. Make it work. He's a star receiver. If Shermer's having problems with him, then find a way to make it work. He's a star. He is talented. I don't care that maybe he's Victor Cruz. Maybe he blows up. I don't care. With the Giants, he was good. When he was healthy, he was good. You're going to waste the best years of Saquon Barkley trying to hitch the wagon to a guy who doesn't have anything left. Sorry. Odell made him look better than he was. Saquon makes him look better than he was. Eli's a train wreck. And the only thing I will say Ben McAdoo deserves some credit for is he saw it then. Eli's a train wreck. He needs to go. We keep him there. Let him mentor Dwayne Haskins. Let him mentor whoever you select in the draft. So he doesn't need to go. I'll step back on my words there. Gettleman is making dumb decisions that's going to result with his self on the street. He doesn't deserve to be a general manager. There's so many more deserving candidates. Lewis Riddick, the Mara family interviewed him, ESPN reporter, would have made a fantastic general manager, and you let him walk out the damn door in favor of Dave Gettleman, who couldn't get it done with the Panthers, with a talented young quarterback, with cap room, with a good franchise, couldn't get it done, he couldn't win a ring, he couldn't see progress, but he didn't change his mind, he made dumb decisions that this family, John Mara family, should have saw we're going to bite this team in the ass. Gettleman's ignorance. He's a poor general manager. <coughs> he needs to be fired. He really does. But he's going to be on this team for a while. He's going to be running this team. That's the fact. And eventually he's going to have to go. For now, there's going to be people who argue with me that maybe trading Odell was the right move. But Gettleman... You've made two big mistakes this offseason. Unless you can do something with those two firsts and the third you got, whether it's trading up and getting Haskins and making your fans happy, or it's getting two really good players, you need to do something. Because right now, all of New York is mad at you. All of the Giants fans are mad at you. And as a Jet fan, I'm mad at you. Shape up, Gettleman, or you're going to be shipping out. That's the end of my free agency recap. I do have final thoughts that I will share after a quick break to close out the show. Kind of surprising final thoughts on a surprising winner of free agency. Stay tuned to hear that, and hope you enjoyed this part of Ambitious. Notably, two teams were left out of my free agency, winners and losers. One being the Oakland Raiders, and the other being the Pittsburgh Steelers. First things first. I give both of them W's. Surprisingly, I'm. this is my final thoughts, my closing of the episode. I think the Raiders made some smart moves. They 
got Antonio Brown. They're building the team in Gruden and Mayock's eyes. And they have three firsts, and you get an all-pro receiver to pair with Derek Carr with some Erty and talent on the team. There's so much room to improve. There's so many holes on the squad, but it's a step in the right direction getting a star receiver. Headache or not, getting a star receiver was big. Getting first-rounders was big. I may not have agreed with Gruden's picture of what he wants this team to be, but he's making some damn moves, and there's respect in my eyes for that. But it wasn't a major win that I felt like I couldn't, I could talk about without referencing the other team that I'm giving a W. The Steelers. They got out of the drama. They got out of the A.B. and Le'Veon situations. And I sound like a hypocrite for calling Le'Veon dramatic because I just kind of praised him for however long about how he's going to be dynamic and whatever for the Jets. But his situation he was in with the holdout and doing best for him and not for the team hurt the Steelers. Antonio Brown's drama hurt the Steelers majorly. He was cancer in the locker room in that sense. I have respect for him wanting to do the best for him. But the fact that what he did, all he did was teach the Steelers a lesson that, all right, maybe you shouldn't get involved with these headaches. That's a lesson that I think Kevin Colbert and Art Rooney will benefit from. Another thing I do think that they will benefit from is not having either of them on the roster. It's addition by subtraction. That simple. They gain things by getting rid of those two. They have young talent around Big Ben. They still have a pretty good defense, too. They have a good linebacking core. But Big Ben, maybe he's dramatic, maybe he's not. He's still got damn weapons around him. He's got young weapons now. James Conner's talented. Juju Smith-Schuster is talented. James Washington's going to take the next step this year, and you can count my words on that. Jalen Samuels, good. They have weapons on this team. They have weapons that Big Ben can still use. They're not in a hole. They're still going to be able to compete with the Browns. They're still a good football team. Drama or not, the what they call the you know days of our lives, days of Pittsburgh, it's over. The drama's gone for now. I can't say maybe Big Ben decides to leave or something crazy because honestly nobody could have foreseen A.B. leaving a couple months ago. But for now, the dust has settled. Pittsburgh obviously would have loved back a couple months ago to have had both these players on their roster and have no drama. But it wasn't feasible the way things fell. And things fall that way for a reason. And as much as I'm a Jets fan, maybe Le'Veon doesn't succeed. Maybe A.B. don't succeed in their new destinations. And Connor and Washington and Schuster and Samuels do well. The Steelers are going to look like geniuses. And all of us analysts, brigading on them are fools for hitching our wagon just on the fact that because A.B. and Bell are so talented that the Steelers aren't going to be better off. The Steelers look like they're in a good position to now build around with life without A.B. As well as the Raiders look like they're in a nice position with draft capital galore and a star receiver to pair with a pretty smart head coach and I think an underrated quarterback in Derek Carr. I think both of those teams got better and those are my final thoughts. 
So that is it. That is it for Ambitious this Wednesday episode. An announcement. Announcement. There is no Ambitious Saturday. But there is a special Ambitious episode on St. Patrick's Day. Sunday, March 17th. Special Ambitious episode. Special Ambitious episode. My first NFL mock draft of the season. All 32 teams. They get a player. Well, sort of. All 32 teams make one move in my eyes that can make them much better. It's going to be a really, really fun episode. I put a lot of time into this mock draft. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Like, give us a rate in the um, iTunes store. Subscribe. And be back here on Sunday for a really special, really good episode of Ambitious. See you guys Sunday. So before you stop listening, yes, this is a final, I guess, special audio clip to the show. I want to thank someone. Obviously, a lot of people, for me to start this podcast, had to, you know, have a big effect on me. And I want to thank, obviously, Adam Covello. I had him on the other night. He was a sports fan talk guest. Um, I want to thank, obviously, all my family and friends for encouraging me to do this. One person has been a big driving force with this podcast, and I felt like they deserve some recognition for this, even though they might hate me for doing this. Um, A good friend of mine, Claudia, encouraged me to start this. She encouraged me to dive into the podcasting world and speak my mind and... I'm finally doing it. Ambitious would not be ambitious without her. She came up with the title. She helped me with the logo. We sat and brainstormed logos and titles for hours. Ambitious felt right. The logo is all thanks to her. And a lot of the bare bone roots of this show are thanks to her. So I wanted to give her that recognition. Once again, I'll see you back here Sunday for a special Ambitious.